Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre here in the UK. Each episode is a live recording of the Bible message shared during the Sunday worship service. It's good to have you share with us. And as you listen now, we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Our second Bible reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. It's probably not a a reading that you would want to associate with Advent at all, but you'll understand why I'm reading it a little later on. Matthew 24, beginning at verse 36. Jesus says this, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So, you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You'll see why that's a little relevant later on. When I was younger, I used to read quite a lot of books by children and authors. I like Roald Dahl. One person I wasn't too keen on was Dr. Zeus. You know, Dr. Zeus, the cat in the hat, and all that kind of thing. I couldn't quite understand the cat in the hat. It was all a bit sublime for me. And green ham and eggs or whatever it was all about just put me off my lunch every time I, I read it. So I wasn't really into Dr. Zeus at all. But of all the many books that he wrote, he also wrote another one that was entitled, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And there it is, front page. And the book's about a boy who's starting off on a journey to great places. And the book begins like this. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the guy who'll decide where to go. And Dr. Zeus explains that even though the boy could choose where to go wherever he wanted, it was highly likely that at some point he would end up in a place called the waiting place. And this was how he described the waiting place. The waiting place. For people just waiting. Waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow. Or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their 
air to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. The waiting place. Dr. Zeus said that the boy, wherever he was going, at some point would end up in the waiting place. I think we all know the waiting place. We've all been in it. I don't know anybody that enjoys waiting. Do you enjoy waiting? I can't stand it. I go to the doctors and I hear that dreadful phrase. Thank you, Mr. Allman. Please take a seat in the waiting room. Oh, no. You never know how long it's going to take. The magazines on the table are three years old. If there's a TV in the room, it's always tuned to the channel you don't watch. And, to crown it all, the people who arrive after you always get to see the doctor before you. Who enjoys waiting? Today, we begin our season of Advent. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It originates from the Latin word adventus, which is a translation of the Greek word parousia, meaning coming. And at Advent, we remember once again the incarnation of Christ, of God coming down to earth. In the person of Jesus. And what do we do on this first Sunday of Advent? We begin once again our pilgrimage to Bethlehem. To see afresh the baby born to be the saviour of the world. Many of us have done this many times. But I have to say to you friends, it's got to be far more than us simply marking a 2,000 year old event in history. This isn't just an annual birthday celebration. What we need to do is use this time of Advent to think of Christ's coming and what it truly means for us. You see, Advent is a waiting time. And at Advent, God says to us, come, sit in the waiting place. Contemplate afresh. And there we wait for the coming of the Christ. Thank Roy for reading Isaiah chapter 9 for us earlier on in the meeting. Isaiah chapter 9 is the fundamental prophecy of the coming of the Christ. Isaiah was one of 16 named prophets in the Old Testament. They spanned 300 years of history. They came at a time when the nation of Israel was in decline. I found this great description of the prophets in the the Lion Handbook of the Bible. And it says this, God sent these prophets on a daunting and sometimes dangerous mission. They were for the most part dispatched at the 11th hour to try to halt the people's headlong rush to destruction. To warn them of judgment, to call them back to God in repentance 
And after the great disaster of the fall of Jerusalem to comfort the survivors with the assurance of God's continuing love and purpose for them. To a man, the prophets went out in the burning conviction that they had a message from God. This was Isaiah. This was who he was. He prophesied through the reign of three kings, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And sadly, for most of his prophecy, his words went unheard. He spoke, nobody listened. Chapter 6 of Isaiah is that great chapter where we read, first of all, where Isaiah stands in the presence of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. We've read it many times. And you know that initial vision in chapter 6 of Isaiah would dictate his life's work. Isaiah had seen God. He'd seen the Holy One. And he never forgot it. And so throughout his life he preached of God's righteousness. And he warned of the judgment of sin. But more than that. He brought comfort. Because he would speak of God's love. And of God's longing to forgive. He would speak of the future glories that would be available to those who would remain faithful. Hasn't this been a depressing week? Hasn't it been an awful week? If you're a reader of a newspaper or somebody who likes to watch the news, what a dismal week. It was bad enough with all this election stuff that is just seeming to sit very low without talking positively. But then we've had some horrendous things that have happened. While I was at home doing my prep one day, I had a break. I came downstairs and made myself a cup of coffee. And I just whacked the television on for 10 minutes. And there, I came across the story of a little family. They were on the TV. Mother, eldest daughter, little boy. The little boy was called Christian. He was four years old. He'd been born severely brain damaged and his birth parents could not cope. Here he is, picture of him. That's his big sister, Jade. At five weeks, the hospital said that he was able to be released from the hospital. And because his parents couldn't cope, the social services contacted foster parents, Diane and Neil Kilduff. They and their two children, one of them being Jade, would welcome this little boy into their family as they'd done with many other children throughout their time as foster parents. The prognosis for him was not great, not great at all. The doctors just didn't believe he was going to survive. But he managed to. He managed to get to 18 months, and at that point, social services decided he needed to be put up from fostering to adoption. And so... It was put out there and prospective parents came to see him. They'd meet him and then decide his needs were so great that they just could not possibly take him on. Nobody would take that little boy. And so Neil and Diane sat down with their two children and said, can't we take him? And they went to social service and said, nobody wants him, we'll have him. Social services turned around and said, 
sorry, you don't meet the criteria because your house isn't big enough. So what did they do? They sold their house and went and bought a bigger house so that they could give this little boy a bedroom. And at that point, social services agreed to the adoption and he came into their family. But that was just the the beginning of an amazing time for that little boy because every time he went to doctor's appointments, big sister Jade would go along. And she went once to the speech therapist with him and said, can I, can I do sign Can I learn sign language to communicate with him? Speech therapist says, no, I, I, he's, he's not going to communicate. It's just not going to be possible. Another doctor, she said, can I feed him? Can we teach him to eat? No, he's, he's going to struggle to feed. Well, she didn't give up. And she decided, blow what the doctors say. And she started feeding him. And over time, he started to learn to use these muscles in his neck and digest food. Then she went and learned sign language. She's supposed to be doing her GCSEs, but she went and learned sign language. And she's now taught him 200 signs. I want you to watch the screen, because every morning now, Jade and Christian put up a little video on YouTube called Sign Along with Jade and Christian. And this is what it looks like. Hi! I'm Jade. And this is Christian. And welcome to Sign Along With Us. The sign that we're going to show everybody today is... Happy! You sign happy! Good boy. So it's like this. Happy! Happy! I know you're in a very happy <laughs> mood today, aren't you? <laughs> Say bye! And every morning she does a new little sign and she puts it on YouTube. She was asked to, to just sum up why she did it all and she simply said this, My little brother just loves the whole world. How could anyone not love him back? My cup of coffee in the middle of my prep was cheered up in a gloomy week by listening to that story. And at times we need to be uplifted from our gloom. And that's exactly what Isaiah did. He came at a time when they were gloomy. And he brought this message of hope. He brought this message to say, I know things aren't great, but God is going to send A light into our world. God is going to do something to change it it all. And so Isaiah's message came just like that did for me on a bad morning. As a ray of hope in a time of gloom. He would introduce the ultimate story of redemption. Now in the time of Isaiah, these words that Roy read to us in chapter 9 were prophetic. They spoke of a time that was to come. But in our time, in 2019, these words represent reality. We don't read Isaiah 9 as prophecy. We read it as reality. You see, Christ came. And let's not forget that on this first Sunday in Advent. Christ actually came. 
Jesus has come. And during Advent, we prepare to celebrate again his coming into our world as a little needy, helpless baby. God, who was laid to rest in a feeding trough for cattle and so on this first Sunday in Advent. Yes, we wait to celebrate the birth of the Saviour. And yet in our waiting, we're given the glorious opportunity to remember, understand more, marvel further, and appreciate that Jesus came and lived among us. In your waiting, will you do that? Will you marvel afresh at the fact that Jesus came? At Advent we think and we wait of Christ's coming into the world in the stable. But you know, Christ's coming was not just limited to his birth. And you're probably wondering why I read Matthew chapter 24. Because Matthew chapter 24 spoke of a second coming. Because the Bible clearly speaks of a time when Christ will have a second coming. And that's exactly what was said. I guess most of us, if we're being honest, don't think of the doctrine of the second coming very often, do we? How many times do you hear that lovely mantra spoken in church? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We talk about Christ dying. We talk about Christ rising. We don't talk an awful lot about Christ coming again. Some people talk about it too much and get obsessed with it to the point that they set dates they start making predictions and I'm not sure these individuals help the mission of the church if I'm being honest I think they don't appear credible you know having spoken about the end times there in Matthew 24 Jesus himself said but the day of the hour no one knows not even the angels it's not for us to worry about when it's going to happen For years, theologians have debated the nature of the second coming, how it's going to happen. Yes, the second coming, the second advent is a time of judgment and forgiveness to be realized in the future. We can be certain about that. When? How? Well, that's open to debate. And you know, I think what's more important is the truth that we believe that he's going to come again. And when he comes... All will be put right. And so we can anticipate with hope, confidence and assurance that the world that is to come is a world when all will be put right. So at this time of Advent, we remind ourselves that we wait for the world that is to come. The world when all will be put right. We're not to worry about the day. But be ready for the day. Until then, how, would she live? how would we, should we live? Not anxiously, but hopefully. Not predictively, but prayerfully. Christ came. Christ will come again. And so Christ's coming is a thing of the past. It's a thing of the future. Finally, what about now? Christ came, Christ will come, 
Christ is here. Advent is a time of waiting. I've got to say to you, it's not an inactive wait. It's not a passive wait. Christ is here. And we can seek God's kingdom in our own lives and in the world around us. Advent is a time of hope and of choice. And if we live our lives seeking to put Jesus at the center, living our lives as best as we can in accordance with Jesus' teaching, knowing that he, through the Holy Spirit, gives us grace to live the lives of love, then we are living with meaning and a purpose. Advent is a time of waiting for the kingdom to come. It's also a time of preparation of our own hearts. Christ came. Christ will come. But unless we allow Christ to enter into our hearts here and now, to visit us with great humility, then the story of redemption doesn't come alive for us. The work of redemption isn't filled in us. You know, we've come a bit of a circle here. What did the singing company start our meeting with? What did they sing? Christmas isn't Christmas until it's in your heart. And that's exactly what that simple statement says. Unless we allow Christ to enter our hearts here and now to visit us in great humility, then the story of redemption fails to come alive for us. I started this morning with Dr. Zeus. I started this morning with the waiting place. In life, God often sends us to the waiting place. How shall we use our Advent season this year? Will we use it to wait and reflect? To remember that Christ came, that Christ will come, but most importantly to know that Christ is here. In my children's story, I said, I'm regularly asked, what are you waiting for? And I think that is a good question to ask on the first Sunday of Advent. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? You know, there's a lovely line and a carol, and it reminds me of what this Advent period is all about, because it simply says, where meek souls still receive him, where meek souls receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. This is a time of waiting, my friends. Use it. Use it to wait for him. Use it to appreciate marvel afresh that Christ came. To look forward with hope and anticipation that Christ will come again. But most importantly, to know that Christ is here. We're going to sing together as we wait. Beautiful little chorus. We don't often sing nowadays. We don't often sing some of those choruses in the old songbook. 
at the back, but it simply says, silently now, I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes. This Advent season, open my eyes. Illumine me. Spirit, divine, what are you waiting for? Well, wait and see. In your waiting, see God. Let's commit to waiting as we wait this morning. And if it might help you to come to this place of prayer on this first Sunday of Advent, what are you waiting for? Come. If it would help you just to kneel in this place at the beginning of this season to ask God to come in your waiting, then come. Let's sing together. Thank you. the question at the beginning of this Advent season what are you waiting for God says wait and see in these quiet moments let's just wait let's just commit ourselves to wanting to wait a bit more once more but very quietly very quietly
gracious Father, on this first Sunday in Advent, we come. We come to the waiting place. We come wanting to make a, a, a fresh desire to sit at your feet, to contemplate afresh the marvelous truth that Christ came, that you chose to leave all the glory of heaven, take on human form and live amongst us, revealing the true nature of God in very understandable terms. And more than that, you came and suffered at the hands of humanity who didn't want to receive that message. You died for us to redeem us for our sins. And more than that, you were brought back to life again. Father, this morning we marvel at the, in this waiting place at the very fact that you would choose to come to be our redemption. But we also come in this waiting place to look to forward to the day when you will come again. We know not when or how. And actually all you ask is that we be ready. And it's the time that we spend in this waiting place that prepares us. It prepares our hearts. It brings us to the place where we can see you and understand all that you've done for us. And so today, on this first Sunday in Advent, we thank you that you came. We anticipate that you'll come again. But we have hope in knowing that you are here now. And so this morning, may you come and may you make your, your presence known to us. May you come in all your fullness. May you come and just warm our hearts. May you come and just illuminate us. That we will know that here today, you are with us. Christ came. Christ will come again. Christ is here. What are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting to see, to see you. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.